Well, happy Friday. You've made it to the end of another work week. And with that, I have more guests for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Nick Berlansky and Nick Horwat of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast are on to discuss a lot of other topics relating to the Pittsburgh Penguins that's coming up right after this. You're Locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Elmstar Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Join me now, as promised, the first time with the three graphics here for at least on YouTube, but you, it's you can use it for audio kind of as well. I have Nick Berlansky and Nick Horwat of the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast. It's been a while since both of you have been on the show, but I figured I'd want to have you on before this stuff gets really, really busy. So I really appreciate the time, you know, for you guys to come on. Take it away, Berlansky. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a great. <laughs> Glad to be on. Thank you for having us on. You know, we always like to come and talk to you, Hunter, whether that's on our show, your show, any other show. Uh, it's always nice conversing with you about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, it's yeah. great to be on again, and it's always fun chatting with you about the Penguins and hockey. And just uh, it's been a while, but hey, you know what? We're all super busy doing our own things. We're all doing great at everything we do. And uh, it's exciting to sit down and have this new uh, roundtable chat, if you will. Yes. Again, you know, we got the two, the two best Penguins podcasts out there, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> but oh, no, there's plenty of great content. You got DK's Daily Shot. You got the Penguins Collective, Jeff Taylor's podcast. You know, there's plenty of great content out there. I'm really excited to have you guys back on. But you know, to start off today's show, <clears throat> just in the spirit of the NHL draft coming up, 12 more days, Penguins have the number 14 overall pick. There's a slight chance that they could have moved up to the number four overall pick, but that was more of a dream than actual reality. When it comes to the pick itself, you know, I'm going to be in the lab this weekend, really going over my big board of realistic options for the team. But when it comes to you guys, do you expect them to keep the pick, move it for an asset that can help you win now, or potentially use it to trade someone like Michael Graham and maybe move down a little bit in the draft, maybe to like 19 for Chicago or something like that? I it's hard to say what we expect with this pick just because Kyle Dubas is um, his history and drafts are he's very much a I'll trade you this pick for two more in a later round he's very much a trading down for more people which in reality is exactly what the Penguins need this draft I just uh, took a look and we have six picks coming up in out of seven rounds and each of the picks that were traded are further back than where we would have landed. So it's um, going to be a difficult draft regardless for the Penguins if they keep the first-round pick and utilize it, which there are plenty of prospects in what is supposed to be a pretty deep draft. Um, but it's hard to it's hard to predict what's going to happen. There, I think regardless, it's a good choice no matter what. Either you strap him to, say, a Mikhail Granlund and send him out of here. Um, that's a good you know, cap dump uh, option right there. If you keep it, uh, well, then you got a 
probably good prospect out of it. Or if you trade for an NHL ready player, then you got an NHL ready player. There's no wrong options with this pick, which is very rare for the Penguins. Whenever I look at this draft, because I agree with Horwat, I mean, there, there's a real volatility to what Kyle Dubas ends up doing when it comes to draft day. And I'm not sure what he's leaning towards. And if anybody says that they know what he's leaning towards, they're flat out lying to you. So uh, looking at, at this draft, though, a lot of experts are saying, oh, man, it's a really good draft, especially in the top 15, top 20. And if the Penguins can get a good prospect, I mean, that's great. But also when you look a couple of days later at what's available in free agency, you're going to need to build through trades, in my opinion, especially with the amount of holes that the Pittsburgh Penguins have on their roster. And while, yes, you know, if, if a Matvey Mitchkoff, who's falling on a lot of people's draft boards, is available at 14, I'd love to see the Penguins uh, bring in another young Russian talent. But at the same time, I don't think he's going to be available. And uh, of course, everybody knows draft picks, they're their magic beans. Will they work out? I don't know. I mean, the one pick that I loved and has worked out great from a couple of years ago uh, was Anton Lundell to the Florida Panthers. Like I wish the Penguins could have actually stayed at, I believe they were at 15 or 16th overall whenever Anton Lundell was in the in the draft. Instead, they traded uh, and traded it actually to Kyle Dubas in Toronto, who picked Rodion Amirov at that point. But now, when you look at the draft and when I'm looking at the draft, there's a lot of opportunity for Kyle Dubas to, to make his mark in different ways. I end up honestly thinking that he, he trades the pick. But I could see why a lot of people want to see him make that selection because the Penguins prospect pool is uh, abysmal, is probably sugarcoating it. But that's what I'll say. That's being nice, Nick, about the <laughs> Penguins prospect. Well, there's a reason why you got Corey Promen and all the other prospect writers saying that it's in the bottom third of the league. And it's yeah. just, it's, well, that's also the price you pay for winning three Stanley Cups in this era. So <clears throat> I usually will take that anytime. But you're right. This, this draft does have a lot of talent. You have even with if if Matt Bavinchkov does not fall, you have someone like Braden Yeager who has a ridiculous wrist shot. It's gorgeous. I I absolutely love his shot, and he's a center now. He can also play wing if he has to, but he's a center now. You have Gabe Perot. He can, might be there that range. He's also very good. You have Zach Benson, who I think is the dream to fall to there. I think you know if, if they can get him, he's a bit smaller than some of the other players, but his all around game is great. If you can get one of those three at fourteen. If, if at least one of those is there at 14, I think you should keep the pick. But if not, I would just potentially move back, maybe attach Macabre Granlin to it and maybe move back just a few slots. Or also, the, <clears throat> from what I've seen, if you can trade it in like a big package to get, you know, a top four defenseman, maybe like a Noah Hannafin or a goaltender, you know, Connor Hellebuck, Vimelka from Arizona, I would, I would be down for that as well. But I think whatever they end up doing, should be fine. I don't really think they're fully committed either way, but you know, for people that will be mad if they keep the pick, I won't because there's a lot of good prospects in this draft and whoever they pick at 14, I think will instantly become the best prospect in this system. Bar none. Yeah. That's an easy statement to make considering who is it otherwise right now? Owen Pickering. Owen Pickering. And then, I mean, Sam Poulin's still there, but he has to kind of re-catch his legs still. They have that goalie out in Russia right now who had a really good year out there. He he was playing very well. I want to see him come over here a bit, but he's yeah. on track to be a steal in the mid-rounds. Yeah, kind of. For, I forgot about the goalie in Russia because we're also mm-hmm. hyper-focused on Joel Blomquist as well, who yeah. uh, might be getting some North American playing time regular uh, this upcoming season. So I, 
I mean, the Wolfsbury's Grant Penguins are going to be an interesting team to watch this year just mm-hmm. for the sake of our top prospects getting some North American play. Doesn't mean they're going to be a good team yet. Yeah. Uh, but it'll be at least a little more intriguing than normal. Yeah, we saw that last year. I mean, we said the same exact thing. We said, oh, I mean, Pustinen's there full season. Poulin, Legare's all up there. Uh, we were excited to see what was going to happen with Ty Smith and everybody that was playing at the AHL level and, and the team just, it, it didn't come together. I mean, Pustin had a great season. Alex Nylander, when he was in, in Wilkes-Barre, was playing very well. Um, but it, it didn't come together as a team. Um, and Murashev is the guy you guys are talking about in yeah, Russia. Right. Uh, he's, he, I've from everything I've heard, he, he's been lights out. So it's nice mm-hmm. to know that at least, you know, you have Joel Blomqvist and you have Sergei Murashev. I believe that's his name. Uh, you have two guys in the pro- pipeline that, that could eventually make an impact at the NHL level, but they're still far out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a, someone I think um, was coming to him on one of the YouTube pages and asked like, Oh, like, could he be an option as soon as like this coming season? I'm like, no, he's, no. No, he, he's not ready yet. And probably won't be ready for at least the next few years, but especially at a goaltender, because those guys take a lot longer to, to percolate. <laughs> Philip Gustafson took a while you know, yeah, to really true. come into his own. And now he's, a real, I mean, I know he's really good in Minnesota, but it took him plenty of years to really, you know, get over to North America, play well. I know he got traded in the Broussard trade, but it, goalies just take a bit longer than some of the other players. That's just how it is. Um, real quick before we get to a break, bio window starts today, June 16th. Technically, as I keep saying on my show, it started at 11 o'clock last night, but they're just going to be nice and put it on Friday. But once for the next two weeks, I think we all are in agreement of who the top candidate is for a buyout. But my, my question is, do you see him getting dealt first before they actually have to buy him out? Because they could easily just, you know, drop a news dump today on a Friday afternoon, right before the Taylor Swift concert in Pittsburgh and just say, hey, we're going to we're gonna buy out Mikhail Granlin in these next couple of years, you know, get $7 million in cap space. You have to pay him for the next four, though. Do you think it's more likely he gets dealt than bought out? I'll leave Berlansky up to this one. He he's he's got some passionate opinions. I think. I don't think they buy him out. I, I really don't. I, I know that yes, the numbers they make a lot of sense, but I feel like Kyle Dubas is somebody who believes in his own abilities to trade and find value in a trade. I think he's going to find it. I don't know if it's going to be an easy pill to swallow. It might make more sense to buy out, but uh, just a gut feeling. Something tells me that the Penguins don't end up buying anybody out in this period. Uh, they're a team that historically never really has. I mean, Jack Johnson, we all know, was bought out after 2020, but at the same time, it's the only guy. Uh, and Jack Johnson was historic levels of bad. And I know Mikhail Granlin was not much better in his 21 games this season, but at the same time, it's a 21-game sample size. It's a different position. And while that $5 million cap hit is tough to swallow, the fact that he doesn't have any clauses attached to it and the fact that it is a weak class at free agency this year. Somebody might take a swing on Mikel Granlin and, and it might not be a good return. Uh, but I, I do believe that Kyle Dubas is going to look to try to make the trade in, in favor of buying him out and having to deal with that cap hit over the next four seasons. The tr- Yeah, making a trade and getting something in return, as long as it is something, is most oftentimes uh, <clears throat> the better play. Yeah. But there's just immediate cap impact that happens if you buy out – uh, Mikhail Granlund. I just, I mean, I'm partially with Berlanti with in saying that I don't think they're going to buy anyone out either. Um, I won't be surprised by anything that happens though. Let's say they keep him around and he has to start start the season on our third line. Fine, so be it. I'm not surprised by that. 
let's say he gets bought out within the next couple of hours. Not surprised by that either because of how beneficial it would be to the team. And then let's say maybe he gets traded somehow. Not surprised by that either. Anything that happens with Mikhail Granlin, I'm not going to be shocked by. And maybe that me not being surprised by anything is also just me not being surprised by anything with this team anymore because they've done it all. They've been up, down, high, low, left, right. They've, they've just, I'm senseless to it anymore, but it's the smartest move I'm of the belief would be to buy him out. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked by whatever happens. I, I'll say I would be shocked if he is on the team next year, just because he was such a bad fit. And I don't think Dubas is going to really want to attach himself to that contract. And, you know, I, I know it was only 20 games, but he had one garbage time goal against yeah. the Flyers. Nothing really much else. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think in a perfect world, they can get rid of that whole salary and get like maybe future considerations back or something like that. But that's probably the dream for them. But you're probably just going to have to retain a little bit of money yeah. for those next couple of years. But I mean, yeah, also if you do buy them out, and, uh, and I know they don't like doing buyouts. I had Rob Rossi on my show on Thursday, and he even said point blank they don't like doing them. And the fact that he even said the fact that they even bought out Jack Johnson was kind of a little bit of a minor miracle. But the cap space that you get for these next two years is worth it. The extra $4 million this year, extra $3 million next year. Goes down a bit the final two years. You have to pay you know, $1.8 million in the final three years anyway. But still, I, I would very much – Consider anyone else though buyout wise. I don't think it makes too much sense. I had a whole episode on it on Wednesday. You know, you're not going to buy out Jeff Petrie and pay him 10 million for the next four years. You're not. You can just trade Jan Ruda. I think there will be a couple takers out there for him if you want to do that. And again, Jeff Carter is going to be on this team next year, and everyone's going to have to suck it up for at least one more year. That's just that's just how it is. I, I hate it. I'm sure you guys don't like it either. But Jeff Carter is going to be on this team next season before he goes off into the sunset and becomes a family man after next season. So. <laughs> but that'll do it for this first segment. Coming up in the second segment, let's talk about this free agency class. I saw the quote from Greg Wyszynski on Thursday about how bad it is. I'm going to talk to Berlansky and Horde about that and see just how many free agency moves that they think Kyle Dubas will actually make considering how bad the class actually is. But before we jump to that, we do have to discuss one of our latest sponsors of Locked On, and that is Bird Dogs. They make you look good. Heck, I love wearing the shorts a few times a week. They stretch khaki shorts, and they are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They do the exact same thing as Ulamon, but they fit way, way better, especially better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. They also fix this issue by inventing cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit while without having to sacrifice movement they also use anti-sting sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long you can go to birddogs.com slash locked on nhl for a free yeti style tumbler with your order that's birddogs.com slash locked on nhl for a free yeti style tumbler you won't want to take off your bird dogs off we promise you that all right, we're back in this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes. That is Nick Berlansky and Nora Corwatt of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. So as I tease going into the break, this free agency class, uh, <laughs> it's it's a, it's a class, all right. It's probably one of the worst classes I've ever seen. You have some decent players there, but you also have a lot of players who I think are going to get grossly overpaid. One of them, I think, is Ivan Barbashev. I like him a lot, but someone, some sucker is going to give him quite a bit too much, too much term and a lot of money. 
I like Tyler Bertuzzi. I think in a lot of ways, he's like a very mini, mini version of Matthew Kachuk, but he's going to get a lot of money and he's going to get a lot of term. When you look at this class and we're about two weeks away now, my friends from free agency starting, it starts on a Saturday this year, which is perfect for me because I don't have my full-time job that day. So I can just stock Twitter and everything. Do you expect Kyle Dubas to make more moves to help this team via trade or via free agency? I would suspect it to be trade just because you're right. This class isn't phenomenal. As you scroll through the, uh, the upcoming unrestricted free agents, uh, there's a lot of 30 plus year olds. It's a lot of older wrong side of 30 players that it's, it's also a bunch of names. You don't know if they still can't perform at their former glory level, like Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves, who's retiring anyway. Um, or Vladimir Tarasenko, who's 31, Ryan O'Reilly, 32. They're all great players that can still cut it in the NHL, that's for sure. But at what level? And we, because of that namesake, the price tag's going to be high. Um, it's you, You're going to have to really dig to find uh, this, the right guys and the certain players. And for Kyle Dubas, he might be looking a lot at Toronto. I mean, Kerfoot, Hole, and Michael Bunting. Uh, come on down, maybe, apparently. <laughs> They bring in Justin Hole, there's some problems. That oh, yeah. Stinks. We have too many defensemen. We have too many defensemen as it is. So let's start there. I mean, this would have been back in 2015. This would have been the best free agent class you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pat, like you mentioned those names, and I'm just sitting there thinking, man, when I was in you know high school, if I would have heard these guys were all up for grabs, I'd say, What do you mean? This is a bad free agent class. But no, when you look at it now, and that's the problem because there's so many bad free agents. You mentioned it, Hunter. There's so many, not bad free agents, less than stellar free agent options. The ones that are actually decent are going to get overpaid above and beyond everything. Do I believe that that's going to make Kyle Dubas want to trade more assets and want to pick more things up via trade? Yes, but also I think the problem is you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins organization, they don't have very many tradable assets. I mean, they don't have a great prospect system to go off of. We Everybody talks about the fact that they need to build that back. So how much do you really want to trade the draft picks that you have? And again, you're not trading Granlin for anything worth the substance. You're not trading uh, Brian Rust because he has a no trade clause so people can get that out of their minds. Uh, you're not trading Crosby. You're not trading Malkin. You're not trading Latang. And if you trade away P.O. Joseph or Ty Smith, then what's left to rebuild the rest of that defense? I mean, it, it is a difficult situation for Kyle Dubas. I think you're going to see a, a kind of a combination of both. You're going to see a couple trades made, but I also think he's going to go in and, and try to find some value in the free agent market. It's not going to be the big names. Like la- even last year, uh, a couple names that we liked. I mean, Mason Marchment would have been a phenomenal signing, uh, but those guys just aren't on the market this year. I mean, Max Domi, maybe, but again, what are you getting from Max Domi? Unless he is his peak Chicago Blackhawks form, which again, he was playing in such an elevated role that he's not going to play in Pittsburgh. You're never going to get the the right actual value out of that contract because you're going to overpay and he's going to under deliver. Uh, that's just the the sign of the entire class this year. So you're really going to have to dig deep for value in the free agency class. And a lot of these signings, people aren't going to like right off the bat because they're probably going to say, wait, really? And who? And it's it's what's going to happen. But you, you just have to preach patience with Kyle Dubas on this one because uh, he's working with what he's got and he doesn't got very many options in the free agency class. And the trade thing is what makes my, was what made my answer so hard. It was 
yeah, maybe he's going to make more trades, but you're right. What does he have to trade away? It's not much. And you also don't want to pick on the pick through these free agents. That's why I, you know, looked at the Leafs who they have coming up because he's going to stick with familiar guys just because he knows what they can do. You don't know what this class is going to be. Like I mentioned, they're all 30 over, which it isn't bad. Like you can get value out of a 31, 32 year old. I mean, look at the Penguins this past season. Three of their best players are 35 plus. Not saying that these all these guys are going to fall off the cliff once they hit 30, but it makes it harder to sign guys, especially if you're looking to sign guys longer longer term. So at the price that they're going to uh, request, it's going to be hard either way. Um, it'll be a busy offseason, but in just the strangest way ever. Yeah. I, I, I like both of your answers on that. I will say, I, I did do a deep dive into the assets. And sometimes a lot of these players that get traded, they don't go for as much as you know the asking prices because it just goes down for, you know, Jacob Trickin went for Magic Beans and Ron Hextall couldn't even do that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think they have the assets to pull off, you know, some trades. Obviously, they don't have the assets like, like a team like the Kings do or maybe like, yeah. I don't know, what, what other contender out there, you know. I'll, I'll think of something, but the Kings were the first one that comes to mind because they have a great prospect going on. They have a lot of picks, mm-hmm. but I still think they can go out there and get a couple of decent players via trade. But I, I agree, you know, Berlinski, I really think with how good Kyle is at looking at the free agent market and getting cheap quality depth, I really think that's probably what you're going to see when July 1st comes around in two weeks and a name I'll put out there, put out there a couple times on my show already, David Kampf. Right there. And he can he can play in your bottom six. He can score. He can pass. He can play defense. He can play in your penalty kill. That's a very typical Kyle Dubas signing. I don't think you're going to see him sign someone like Josh Archibald as, as his first move in free agency uh, and then have that stupid smirk on his face that Ron Hextall did <laughs> when oh he was asked God. about Johan Larson. But I, I do think you're going to see – you know, players, you know, like a camp sign, you know, people keep throwing out Michael Bunting. I'm sorry. He's probably going to get too much term and money. Ryan O'Reilly would make some sense, but he's also a little over 30. Now, if you want to get a little younger, you can go with a couple other decent options, but you know, I, I do think it's going to be a nice mix. I, I guess a hybrid where, you know, you're bringing in players via trade. They're also signing some quality free agents. And the best part is they can bring in some of these players that have a little higher cap hits because they have a decent amount of cap mm-hmm. space. You just have mm-hmm. to use that wisely. That's mm-hmm. my thing because the, the previous two regimes, I don't really think they ever knew how to use cap space wisely. And I mean, no disrespect to Jim Rutherford who brought the two Stanley Cups here. It was all of his work after that that wasn't really that good. But I may mostly talk about Ron Hextall where he just, I think the salary cap was just not his friend to put it uh, to put it nicely. But overall, you know, do you have any targets in mind via trade or free agency that you've both been really taking a look at lately on your show that you think can make some sense for the team you know i've been diving into this class and you know i've brought up some of my own names but just want to hear some of your thoughts with names man i i love ivan barbashev but that's that's a pipe dream at this point i mean the best thing that could have happened was ivan barbashev just absolutely crapped the bed in the the stanley cup final but it's just it's not going to happen uh he's going to be way too expensive but i do think i i don't know who the guy would be i do think kyle dupes i mean who the return would be i do think kyle dupes gets in on the uc Saros sweepstakes i don't know if they have enough but i do think that he's going to look at that and say you know what if i'm going to take a big swing it's going to be on a guy like uc Saros because the penguins need a goaltender uh, it's kind of against what the trend has been because you look at the last two stanley cup champions 
it, it's been Darcy Kemper and Aiden Hill. So it's, hey, figure out what works, get them in there that year, and then figure it out again the following season. That's what's worked the last two years. But I do think the Pittsburgh Penguins are an organization that, especially with so little run left in this competitive era with, with Crosby, with Malkin, with Latang, you're going to want to get the goalie this offseason and say, hey, He's going to be the goaltender for the end of the Crosby era, and we don't have to worry about that going forward because that's it's different if you have a young team like the Toronto Maple Leafs and you can say, okay, you know what? Freddie Anderson hasn't cut it. Okay, you know what? Jack Campbell, we're just not willing to pay you that much money. We need to try something else. But when you have Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, who, let's face it, Malkin might have three years left, and he is done done. Like He is not coming back. He's not signing another contract. He's not playing a game. So if that's three years and you're done, you're going to want to get your goaltender for those three years and be able to just build around from that and not have to worry about that every single offseason. So yeah. I could see Soros being being a guy that Dubas is really a high on and really intrigued on this offseason. You say that three years thing, especially if you consider, even if you get a guy like Soros and then I don't know what his contract looks like, but let's say he runs until uh, the end of the Crosby term or the Latang term or whatever it may be then you have those other goalies that we just talked about earlier ready to go so maybe you're able to balance a goalie um for a short-term deal or a short-term trade in a way to transition into your young stud who might be who i mean who knows what kind of core what kind of young core we build in the next couple seasons with dubis mm-hmm. uh, who knows if we utilize this draft pick and he uh, turns out to be a real good player down the line. Next thing you know, you have that second wave, which is exactly what Dubas wanted to do when he got here. He wants to win now and have that future built. Might There might be that gap year where we're trash and everyone get ready for that. <laughs> but it's um, it's going to be interesting. And I think I like the idea of UC Soros. I've been pounding the drum for Connor Hellebuck since the, mm. from the moment he said mm. he doesn't want to stay. <laughs> and... Um, but again, it's going to be hard to make a trade for either of those two, considering the assets we have. Uh, it's not much. I mean, if we shoot for the stars like that, it might involve losing someone important to us. But I think it might work out in the end. We'll love Hellebuck. I mean, I know he only has one year left. I, I don't know how an extension would work. He would probably ask for a little too much. And I'm not really sure I'd be interested in paying someone throughout his 30s. But I would love him at least for a season. Soros, uh, Horak, he has two years left on his contract. He has the Mikhail Granlin contract right now. Two, two years, $5 million per. Makes a lot of sense. That's a really good deal for him. Yeah. He's probably going to get paid at the end of that deal, to say the least. But I would love to get on that, but I also know that Barry Trotz is going to ask for the world in return. He is a general manager, I think, that is going to not get fleeced in any move that is made. <sighs> I mean, no. He seems like he knows what he's doing. He was a great head coach for many years. I think he's going to be a great manager as well. But this, these next couple of weeks, I think, are going to be a lot of fun, both trade-wise and frequency-wise. But we'll go away from that in the final segment. We're going to get into just the front office structure, what they think it's potentially going to look like. And if Kyle Dubas will not bring in all of his Toronto buddies, if he'll maybe bring in people from outside the Toronto Maple Leafs organization, that plus a couple other things. But before we touch on that, we have to discuss – game time buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful though i know it probably was for everyone that's about to go to the taylor swift concert tonight and saturday the city is about to turn into a war zone people i just hopefully everyone's ready for that game time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports music comedy and theater near you 
With killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun <clears throat> that you will have. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy theater, and so much more. You can download the Game Time app today, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, we're rocking here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm Andre Hodes, joined by Nick Horwat and Nick Berlansky of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. So earlier this week, I mean, I've touched on this, you know, a lot over the last couple of days. Jason Spezza was brought on from Toronto Maple Leafs as an assistant general manager. First front office hire from Kyle Dubas. And I know a lot of people were a little weird about it because assistant general manager to who? Because there's no general manager there. Do you guys expect Kyle Dubas to bring in other people outside of Toronto to fill out the front office outside of Toronto is the intriguing part of that question, really. Um, because I, I had mentioned on our podcast before that Brandon Pridham seems to be a front runner here uh, out of nowhere, almost because I mean, when Dubas was fired from Toronto, Brandon Shanahan told, you know, other GMs, Hey, Brandon Pridham's going to be the GM for the time being kind of go to him for any, general manager needs. Uh, and then they quickly shot him out of a cannon and said, he's no longer in the running to be general manager. And they hired Brad Tree living. And then they added another cook in the kitchen with Shane Doan. Uh, suddenly there's a lot of faces in there. Who knows how valuable Brandon Prim's job is in, in Toronto anymore. So I would keep an eye on him. Expect Dubas to definitely request to speak to him. Outside of that, I also mentioned just remember the names that made it late into the running for the GM job. Darsh, Tolsky, maybe, uh, Steve Greeley, guys like that. And they're outside of the Toronto market, but very viable options as long as they're not feeling burnt by the team for how they may have been dragged along. I mean, to be fair, also, they were not really dragged along because Kyle Dubas was not mentioned until a, a week before he was really like two weeks before he was really hired. Cause yeah. before he got fired, it was not a possibility and the penguins were just going along business as usual. And the second he got fired, it threw everything into into a tailspin. But uh, when it comes to the rest of the front office, I, I don't know. I mean, look at, look at what Kyle Dubas wants to do now that he has the full power. I mean, the one thing that we knew about Kyle Dubas in Toronto is there was a power struggle between him and Brendan Shanahan. Now he is the guy. He's the big boss. He's not going to bring in anybody that's going to go against him. But at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's only going to be bringing in his guys from the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think there's plenty of names around the NHL. I mean, we talked whenever the general manager and president of hockey ops position first opened up. We talked about Sam Ventura. I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Penguins reached back out to him to see if he'd be interested in coming back to Pittsburgh in a higher role. I know he's he's AGM of the Buffalo Sabres, and, and higher role than that is general manager. I'm not sure that Dubas would bring him on as general manager, but I'm not sure what he's looking for uh, in a general manager. There's some people that have speculated that Kyle Dubas doesn't need a general manager, and you're probably right. Uh, you're, you're probably 100% right, but we see where if you get more guys that are like-minded but at the same time have different opinions – it can only be successful. I mean, look at what happened in Vegas. George McPhee and uh, I'm, I'm blanking on and Kelly McCrimmon. Yeah. Those two have worked hand in hand since the second year of the Vegas Golden Knights. 
And it, it worked so well that they went out and they won the Stanley cup this year. So when it's working well, a uh, general manager and a president of hockey ops that are separated in two different people can be very advantageous for your organization. If it doesn't work well, then it could be a, a crap storm. I mean, look at what's going on in Vancouver. Jim Rutherford literally had to come out and say, you know, I, I, I got to stop talking to the media. I got to stop talking to you guys because I feel like I'm, I'm overstepping Patrick Alvin. And he was. It's 100% what he was doing. And Patrick Alvin wa- was not even a mouthpiece. He didn't even let him do that part. Uh, he basically just overruled him on everything and made Alvin an assistant general manager uh, for the majority of his first couple of months on the job out there. But uh, it's going to be fun after July. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of fun to be had in the next month when it comes to player personnel. Uh, but everybody enjoyed the general manager search for six weeks, eight weeks, uh, a couple months ago, and you're going to get another one that's probably going to last again two, three, four weeks uh, at the end of this summer. So at least there should be something to fill out the normal dead spot of, of the, the Penguins offseason. Yeah, for sure. And you know, again, I, I've been saying this on my show so often. The, my listeners are probably going to get sick of this. I would love a front office structure like what Vegas has or what Colorado has, where they promoted Chris McFarlane, Joe Sackett groomed him to be the GM, and now he's the president of Hockey Ops, and McFarlane is kind of making the roster decisions. Right away, I don't think the new GM would get that kind of power because I think the final decision would come down to Kyle. But I think eventually maybe he could pass that decision off to him while just being someone that he can go to Well. I guess still being involved in the final decision, but it would come down to the GM. Maybe someone that can really grow into the job, learn it. It's a first time GM. That is something that I would very much consider. So I understand what people are saying with, oh, maybe they don't need a GM. Yeah, I know. Kyle's running the show. He got a seven-year term. Rob reported Mm -hmm. on it was seven times five. I heard it was seven times six. It's it's somewhere in that range. It's probably right around there. But this is his team even if he does or does not hire a full-time general manager. And, you know, I, I had heard Steve Gurley interviewed very well for the position, so I would not be surprised if they did circle back to him. I think Matthew Darsh was going to be the president if Dubas said no, so I would not be surprised if they went back to him either. He went very deep into the search. So it, it will be very interesting to see what happens once free agency really dies down. Maybe, you know, you get into mid-July that's when maybe you start doing some interviews because at that point, most of your moves have already been made. You still still see some trades or signings, but it, most mm-hmm. of it I think is kind of done at that point. Not a topic I wanted to pick your brains on is the topic of them maybe being, you know, contenders or what their ceiling is for next season. Obviously the playoff streak came to an end this past season. You know, they hadn't missed the playoffs since I was back in elementary school, which was, you know, a very long time ago, but <laughs> When you look at this team right now and you look at potential moves that could be made, do you see this team getting back to contender status next season? Because you think about it, you know, the thought came up ahead today. Vegas, they missed the playoffs last year. They come back, they run it back, they make some, you know, trades slash signings. They hire Bruce Cassidy. I know the Penguins aren't hiring a new coach here. But do you think you could see a situation similar to what Vegas did with how they kind of ran it back with their core players but added around them? and became a contender, and obviously you saw what happened. Do you think that's possible? I I do think it's possible. I figure this, the new president and Kyle Dubas and whoever he brings in as GM, plus this new front office structure, it should revitalize a lot too. It, it, it's not that you know the core here was you know dead in the water by any stretch of the means. They definitely still have the hunger, but um, there should be a new sense of confidence within this locker room now. The fact that there's a smarter person upstairs. There's 
likely going to be smarter decision-making from that same mind. Uh, I think there's going to be a bit of a revitalization. It's not going to be uh, – I don't know if contender status is where it's going to go, but it could creep into that as the season progresses just because you know, who knows who Kyle Davis ends up picking up, who knows he's, who's staying, who's going. Um, like, I, like I mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised if we start the season with Mikhail Granlund still on our third line. So maybe something turns around in one way or the other. I'd say it could get there. It, I just need to see some roster structure and some games first, but I do totally believe it is possible, yes. I would say the same thing that it's possible because, I mean, anything's possible in the NHL, specifically once you get into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Look at the Florida Panthers. Mm-hmm. I mean, the volatility of this league is unmatched. And as long as your team is not you know, worst in the league, like Chicago Blackhawks worst in the league, then you're probably going to have a decent chance if you're in that middle ground, especially if you have the stars like Crosby Malkin to carry uh, a team once they get into the postseason or at the very least lead a team once they get into the postseason. But I think the one thing you have to look at is they were one standings point Mm -hmm. away from being in the postseason this year. And there is no way on God's green earth that they don't get at least marginally better next season. So that right there tells you that they're probably a playoff team. And when you look at this roster and when you look at, more importantly, the friction that was had between Mike Sullivan and Ron Hextall last year, Hextall wasn't giving Sullivan the players that he wanted. I mean, maybe he did to a certain extent, but it certainly wasn't everything that Mike Sullivan was asking for in a lineup. Now, I get it. There's cap constraints. It's a salary cap league. It's meant to make everybody on an even playing field. It's going to happen every year. You're not getting everybody you want. But to a certain extent, the Penguins could have gone out and got Jacob Chikrin. That's obviously the biggest example. But probably even when you look at the offseason, I mean, trading John Marino for Ty Smith and then not being able to utilize Ty Smith the entire season. I mean, there was a time when Jan Ruda was on injured reserve and they didn't have salary cap space to bring Jan Ruda back. I mean, that that's things that probably won't happen under Kyle Dubas. Uh, so just that alone is going to make this team better, which puts them in the playoffs. And who knows how much Kyle Dubas is going to change the face of this franchise over the next six weeks. But there's a chance that if he adds correctly, and like you said, Hunter, he has $20 million in cap space. If he buys out Mikhail Granlin in the next couple of hours, he's going to have $24 million in salary cap space heading into this offseason and this free agency period. So do I think there's a chance that considering how good the core is, that they could turn into a contender once again next season? They could, but the work needs to be done. And and that's what's going to be paid attention to over the next six weeks and what Kyle Dubas is able to bring in and help with Mike Sullivan's team. Yeah, and I really do think they're they're going to have a good relationship together. I think they mm-hmm. kind of see eye to eye with how they see a modern team in the NHL today. I just don't ever think Hextall and Sullivan saw eye to eye at all during their tenures. And you know, Brian Burke just you know had free tickets to games and got to talk to season ticket holders. I think. But lastly, before I let you all go, um, Penguins only have a couple of restricted free agents. Well, they did sign Alex Nylander. That was you know <laughs> the, the interim guys and Mike Sullivan did that all together. But they still have a couple left. Uh, Drew O'Connor and Ryan Paling, both are RFAs. Kyle Dubas has not signed either of them yet. Do you see both of them back on the team next season in a full-time capacity? Yeah, I would assume so, yeah. When you look at all the RFAs, I mean, none of the qualifying offers go over a million dollars. So I, I think Kyle Dubas, especially with the amount of cap space that he has and the amount of holes he needs to fill, 
you need to take the free spaces when they're given to you. Drew O'Connor is a free space right now. He's a restricted free agent that was making less than a million dollars last year. Same thing with Ryan Paling. And these guys are younger, a little bit faster, a little bit hungrier. Uh, and the Penguins, they lacked that a lot last year. These were two of very few players that could provide that for the Penguins. And it's been the theme through the entire episode here. There's not much out there to be had. So you got to take the free spaces when you can get them. Those two guys, I know Pustinen's an RFA as well. You, just, you you sign the guys that are easy to sign, and and the RFAs are, are pretty easy to sign for the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. Yeah, I'm, I've been beating the drum for a while that Drew O'Connor should have a full-time roster spot for all 82 games next season. Played great at the World Championships overseas. I think he should definitely be on the third or fourth line. I've seen people say he should be in the top six or try him out there. No, I don't think he's really shown anything to be considered in the top six. Just look at his numbers. Yeah. I test. I just think that's a little wishful. He thinking. just he just doesn't have the finishing ability to be a top six. Yeah, player. I completely agree, Nick. Yeah, I, if he finishes a bit more next season, try it out. But I think right now, with what I've seen from him, and and I, and I think he played well last season. I don't think he can be on your second line with Evgeny Malkin, Ricard Raquel, or whatever winger you have next to him there. I think in a third or fourth line role, he works very well. And Ryan Pilling, I'm still intrigued about him, but I want to see how his back recovers. He really mm. had that brutal injury last season, just came in and out of the lineup so many times. I want to see how that recovers during the offseason, because if that is fully healed and he goes into next season healthy, I'm really intrigued about him in a third or fourth line role, because I thought when he was healthy, he was impressing me at times. I think, you know, those are two solid options for your bottom six. Outside of that, though, they I know Carter's probably going to be on the fourth line. Mm-hmm. They need to revamp that entire unit. The, yeah. that's just, it was a big weakness for the team last season. But I think that will do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I really appreciate both of you coming on to discuss a whole bunch of different topics relating to the team. Just tell me, both of you, what do you got planned for the show going forward? Well, uh, we got to get a lot of guests on because we're running out of topics. But fortunately, fortunately, this slow season, I mean, you mentioned it, literally one signing so far this offseason. It's yes. been three months. They've signed one player and it was Alex Nylander to a one-year deal. So it's time to do something, Kyle. <laughs> fortunately, they're going to start doing stuff here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Draft's coming up. So we're going to obviously cover all of that. But then we're also looking to get uh, a bunch of guests on. Uh, starting to make that list of names. And obviously Hunter's always at the top of the list because uh, he's so gracious with his time and, and we always love talking to him. So you can see probably Hunter Hodes at some point this summer on the tip of the iceberg. And then also a host of other guests uh, next week. We'll have Jacob Puntori on from inside the penguins.com to help us break down all of the prospects that he has written about, which has been a long list. So uh, that might end up being a long episode, but Hey, if you want your all inclusive list of penguins prospects for the 14th overall selection, uh, we'll have Jacob Puntori on next week. But other than that, just, you know, Penguins content as much as we can try to keep it fresh, try to, to, to obviously cover all the news, but at the same time, have a little bit of fun. So that's what you can expect from the tip of the iceberg podcast. Yes. Please go listen to their show. Everyone that listens to slash watches this, they do a tremendous job with our Penguins content. And, you know, I think this whole community is blessed that there's just a lot of really good podcasts out there that can deliver quality content about this hockey team. But yeah, I'm excited. It's another full week of episodes done here. I'm going to be in the lab this weekend going over my big board. I have a couple of buddies from Penguin Sword as well. We'll be comparing my big board with theirs to see how they over, overlap for the NHL draft. Really excited to get that for you all next week. I'll be diving into some NHL draft talk. And then if Dubis wants to make a move or two, I'll obviously have a breakdown and analysis of that. And I might have to wait for another week. But that will do it for this one. Thank you all so much for tuning in, whether audio or video. 
I'll be back with another episode for you all on Monday. For those that are listening in Pittsburgh, stay safe this weekend. If you're going to the Taylor Swift concert, just be prepared for a lot of traffic. But again, thank you all so much for listening slash watching. Very much appreciate it. I'll be back with another episode on Monday.